think that's going to be a great song. Don't you all agree? I think that's going to be a good one to put into our sets. And so, hey, hey, you know what? I don't know about you all, but after a few weeks from surgery, it's great seeing Marlene back up here. I just thought that was a good worship set this morning. And so, hey, open a Bible. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hands or ushers can grab one for you. But we are in John chapter 11, continuing our study through the book of John. And over the past four weeks, we've been in John chapter 11. And while you're turning there, I just want to reiterate on the conferences, especially the men. Um, we, um, if you can get the money today, hopefully by next weekend, get your money in the $59. You can get that to me. You can put in the offering, just put in, you know, the check, just put men's conference. If you're giving cash, just put in the envelope men's conference. Um, but, um, that credit card bills due here on April 2nd. So, um, if you can get that money to me, get that turned in, that'd be great. And then Paula will work with you ladies on yours. So, um, that's coming up. So we're excited about that, but Hey, but we are, we're in John chapter 11 today. You know, a number of years ago, I was witnessing to a, a good friend of mine. Um, and he and I at times would go back and forth and he's not a believer and, and I would always try to talk to him. And I remember one conversation I was having with him. And he said, you know, if God would just do something truly amazing, I would believe in Jesus. And, I, and I'm like, really? You, you think if God just did something amazing, that would convince you? And so we kind of dialogued on that. But have you ever heard someone say that? Or... Have you ever said, if God would just like, you know, part the Red Sea again, I think I'd believe him. How many unbelievers have said, if God would just perform a miracle, I think I'd believe in Jesus. Or maybe even as a Christian, maybe you have said, if God would just do something truly more amazing in my life, I think I could trust him more. If God would just do really amazing things, I think I could obey his word more. If God would just really show up in my finances, I would believe him and give. Do miracles really change us? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. And I've entitled my message, um, All I Need is a Miracle. Now, those of you who grew up in the 80s, about right now, you should be thinking of the Mike and Mechanic song, All I Need is a Miracle. <laughs> That's going to be in your head for the rest of the message right now. All of you who are young are going, what in the world are you singing? But I've entitled my message today, All I Need is a Miracle. But where I'm going with this is actually, I want to show you four things that miracles cannot do. All right. We're going to look at four things that miracles cannot do. And here's the first thing that a miracle, that miracles don't do. Miracles do not change belief. The first thing I want us to look at here from our text in chapter 11 is miracles do not change belief. And so if you look at chapter 11, verse 45, it says, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Now, I want to stop right there. Let's get some background on here in case you haven't been with us over the past few weeks. This is the miracle of, of Lazarus and Jesus raising him from the dead. In this text, we remember that Lazarus 
was the brother of Mary and Martha. And Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were very close, intimate friends with Jesus. And Lazarus got sick. To the point, he was so ill that Mary and Martha was really getting concerned. And they sent a message to Jesus, who was about 20 miles away, and sent him a message saying, hey, the one you love is ill. And in their anticipation, they were expecting Jesus kind of to just to drop everything, hightail it back to where they lived, and heal him. Well, that didn't happen. In fact, one day goes by, two days go by, three days go by, four days go by, and no Jesus. Within those four days, probably even in the first day, Lazarus dies. Now Jesus shows up to where Mary and Martha live, and um, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And Jesus shows up, and people are now starting to doubt Jesus at this point. He, you know, Mary and Martha show up, and, and, and they greet him outside the city. Some people go with them, and, and um, they're weeping. Jesus starts to cry, and the people are like, oh, man, look how much he loved them. But the text says, but there were some who were like, well, he could heal a blind man, but he can't heal this guy. What's wrong with him? Starting to doubt him. And then Jesus is like, okay, you know what? How about this? Take me to the tomb. Show me where you lay him. He gets to the tomb and he says, hey, roll the stone away. Now even Martha's like, whoa, time out. We're going to roll that stone away and there's going to be a very bad smell. Jesus, he's been in the grave for four days. His body's already starting to rot. Let's not do this. And Jesus is like, did I not tell you? If you just believe me, you'll see the glory of God. So they roll the stone away. And Jesus walks up to the tomb. And he's like, Lazarus, come out. Next thing you know, here comes Lazarus wrapped in swaddling clothes. Because that's what swaddling clothes were, just wraps the strips of cloth. All from head to toe. And he comes out. Because <laughs> he couldn't talk. Alive. And Jesus says, unwrap him. And let him go. So after the miracle. Now, now let's just think about that for a moment. We don't know how many people are at this, at this scene. But enough have seen him. They saw one of the... How many of you think that would probably be probably the most amazing miracle you could ever see? Someone come back from the dead. Imagine being at a funeral and someone goes up to the coffin, get out of the, and they come out of the coffin. I think I'd be like, God, you are awesome. But it says that some people who saw it believed. They're like, Jesus, you are who you are. You are the son of God. You've got to be God almighty. No one can do this. And they put their faith in him. Now look at the text. So many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Verse 46, but, everybody say but, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Now, they didn't go to the Pharisees thinking, hey, if we go tell the Pharisees, the Pharisees will believe in Jesus. They went to the Pharisees because the Pharisees were looking to hurt Jesus. So these people were like, they saw the most amazing miracle ever, some dead dude coming out of the grave. And they can't believe. 
still cannot believe. And they go tell the Pharisees, the religious leaders. You see, miracles in themselves do not produce belief. Misconception of people today is if I could just see something, I'll believe it. Not necessarily. How in the world can people see a dead man come back to life and still not believe? Because miracles in themselves do not produce belief. In fact, in the book of Luke, chapter 16, Jesus is telling the account of two men, a rich man and a poor man. And the poor man, his name was also named Lazarus. But both of these guys die. And as Jesus says, both of them die, the rich man who had everything in this life, all the riches, all the popularity, everything life could give him, he had it. But the rich man dies, and he says he went to Hades, basically hell. The poor man who had an interest in God, the rich man had no interest in God, just interest in the world, goes to Hades. The poor man who had a mind for God, even though he was poor, says when he died, he went to Abraham's side. He went to where Abraham, Abraham, the, the father of Israel, was at. And Jesus goes on to say that these, these two groups of people, where the people in Hades and the people with Abraham could see each other, communicate with each other, but they could not intermingle with one another. There was a chasm between them that kept them separate. The, the, the rich man who was suffering in hell says to Abraham, Abraham, please send Lazarus back. I have five brothers who don't believe in God. Man, they're as wicked as I was. Send Lazarus back so he can tell them and they'll repent. Here's what it says in the book of Luke, chapter 16. It says, Abraham said to the rich man, they have Moses and the prophets, meaning they have the Old Testament scriptures. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said to him, if they do not hear, the, hear Moses and the prophets, meaning if they can't hear the Old Testament scriptures, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. You see, Jesus is like, listen, Lazarus could go back, but they won't believe it. He goes, faith is not going to be contingent upon them seeing a miracle. Faith is will be contingent upon what they hear. I like what one Bible commentary says. He said it this way. He says, miracles certainly reveal the power of God. But of themselves, they cannot communicate the grace of God. A miracle can display the power of God all day long. But it can't affect the heart in itself. You see, and that's the problem of today. Just like, just like these people in Jesus' time who couldn't believe in a miracle, people today are no different. People today think, well, if I just see a miracle, I'll believe, but they don't. How is it that people can see something so amazing, they truly see a miracle? A person is healed of something miraculously, and there are still people who are like, mm, I, I just don't buy it. 
How is it that people can see a changed life? Truly somebody, I mean, do you have friends in your life that, that you have known your entire life? They see your life, how much it's transformed by the power of God. And those friends still go, nah, I just don't believe it. They're still skeptical. They're still like, I just don't buy into this thing. Why is that? Because the miracle, the testimony doesn't change their belief. A miracle in itself cannot change a heart. A miracle in itself cannot create belief. No matter how much evidence can be shown. No matter how much God can display himself, his power alone cannot cause someone to believe in his grace. Miracles in themselves do not change unbelief. Here's the second thing. Second things that, the second thing that miracles do not do, miracles do not change self-preservation. Miracles do not change self-preservation. So these people who saw the miracle and could not believe, they went to the Pharisees and they tell the Pharisees what Jesus had done. Now look at verse 47. It says, so the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council. That council was what was considered and called the Sanhedrin. Um, it was approximately about 70, 72 people on this council. It was uh, made up of different uh, Jewish leaders. It would have been Pharisees. It would have been Sadducees. It would have been high priests. And all these people had formed this council. And this Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, was kind of like the, the Jewish court, the high court for Jewish people. So they determined uh, legal issues. They determined all kinds of things. The only thing they couldn't do, um, the, Roman, the Roman Empire gave them a lot of authority, but the one authority they did not have was that of um, execution. They couldn't kill anybody, all right? And, and so they, they had a lot of legal, a lot of, lot of power, but they, they couldn't execute anybody. So this council meets, this Sanhedrin meets. And look what it says. It says, they gathered the council and they said to one another, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. So they hear Jesus just raised Lazarus from the dead. And they're acknowledging that Jesus is doing all of these signs and he's doing these miracles. And they ask the question among themselves, what are we to do? Decision time. All right. And the only two decisions they can come up with they, that are before them is, do we believe him or do we not? Do we believe that he is God and he's doing these great miracles or do we not? What decision will they make? Tick tock, tick tock, the time has come to make it. Well, look at verse 53. Here's their decision. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Look at verse 57. Now the chief priests and the Pharisees who made up this council had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so they might arrest him. That's their decision. Despite the miracles, 
despite what's going on, despite that, the, he, that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, even after four days, they made the decision. Arrest him and kill him. That's where we're going. But here's what we need to see. Here's why they really made these decisions. So they know that Jesus is doing all these miracles. Look at verse 48. If we let him go on like this, I kind of find that interesting. It's like they're giving, like Jesus is getting their approval to do miracles. I mean, I, I sit and think about that. If Jesus is like, hey, guys, can I um, have your permission to heal this person? You know, Jesus is like, I don't care if it's a Sabbath or not. Get up and walk. You know, Jesus was doing his own thing. But yet they're like, well, if we let him go on like this, here's the first problem. Everyone will believe in him. Here's the first thing where miracles do not change self-preservation. They were so worried that all of the people would believe in Jesus. They would come to believe in his words. They would believe that, well, maybe he is the Messiah. They would believe maybe he is the Son of God. They would believe maybe he is God in the flesh. They would start to believe who Jesus is. And that was a problem because the Pharisees and these, the chief priests and everybody, they were the religious elites. They were the religious leaders. They were the, 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 the um, pomp and circumstance of the time. Because they walked around in their flowing robes and, and their high hats and, and everybody knew who they were. They, they, they were like, you know, the beauty queens that, that walked onto the stage. And everybody, they loved people applauding them. They loved the fact that people came to them with their religious questions, with their religious concerns. Now here's Jesus. Guess what Jesus is doing? Drawing people away from them. And they don't want, they don't want their people believing in, th in, in this guy. They want their people following them. So if we let him continue on like this, they'll believe in him and they'll walk away from us. Self-preservation, man. We got to keep this thing going. But here's the second thing about self-preservation. And they say, so if we let him go on like this, um, they'll believe in him. But here's the second problem. The Romans will come and take away both. And here it is. Our place and our nation. Okay, so now they, they're like, well, not only are we going to lose our position with the people, but if all of a sudden we let him continue on and the people start to really believe in him that he's this Messiah, he's the Savior, um, that's going to cause a problem because Rome's going to get a, um, an earful of this. Then if Rome starts to hear that we have a Messiah, we have a Savior, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come in and take it all away from us. We can't have that. These religious leaders needed to maintain their standard. It was about self-preservation. It was about keeping what they had. They didn't want to lose their place, meaning our position. I love my position. I got a position of authority. I got a position that people look at me. I don't want to lose my place. And I don't want to lose my country. So we got to do something about this guy. Self-preservation. 
miracle of Lazarus did not change that. They were more concerned about keeping what they had than giving it up for God. Let me ask you, is it any different today? Think about this for a moment. How many people will go, well, you know, I, I hear what you say about Jesus and everything, and I get it. I hear that. I, I really get it. But here's the thing. If I put my faith in Jesus, if I come to believe in Jesus, that means I'm going to have to go to church on Sunday. I'd like to camp on the weekends, and I don't want to give that up. And I like watching my football games on Sundays. I like watching NASCAR on Sundays, and I don't want to give that up. So I hear you, but I really don't want to give up this stuff. So thank you, but no thank you. And they choose not to believe. Why? Self-preservation. I don't want to lose something. How many people, you know, are like, well, I don't want to believe in Jesus because I have goals. I have plans. I got a purpose for my life. And if I get, well, if I believe in Jesus, he's going to take that all away. How many people think that believing in Jesus means there's just too many restrictions? Man, the Bible has way too many do's and don'ts, man. And believing in Jesus is going to restrict how I live. And I, you know what? I like my freedom. I want to live how I want and do what I want. The reality is people want to maintain what they have. Self-preservation. People believe that if I put my faith in Jesus, if I, if I believe in Jesus, who he is, what he said, what he's done, if I believe in that, well... I'm going to lose life. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose so many things. Well, here's the sad thing in all this. People believe if there, there's so many people who think if I believe in Jesus, I will lose my life. But Jesus says the exact opposite. Listen to Luke chapter, in chapter, Luke chapter 17. Jesus says, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will keep it. You see, Jesus says, listen, you can gain the whole world. Get it all. But you can still forfeit your soul. Believing in Jesus and coming to know him as your savior, you do not lose life. You gain everything. Because it's about eternal life. We always have to remember this life that you and I are living right now, no matter how many years you are given on this earth, right here, right now, this life is not it. This life is the warm-up life. This life is the warm-up lap to the real race. Because the real life that you and I will experience is beyond this. When you and I, when this body finally goes into the grave, you breathe your last breath, you beat, your heart beats its last beat, and you are close your eyes for the final time, you continue on. Your spirit is either going, and I've said this before, it will go and live eternally away from God, apart from God, or live eternally with God. And which way you determine that which way it goes, either separated from God or with God, is determined here and now. And the people who say, you know what, I don't want to give up this life now, surrenders life later. But those of us who come to that place and say, you know what, I want Jesus now. 
And as I live for Christ now, and I start to, and I've got to give up some things for him now so I can re reap the life later, that's what I'm going for. So the question you've got to ask is, which life are you living for? Are you living for the now and giving up the, the real life? Or are you living for the then and giving up the now life? If you're trying to preserve this life, as Jesus says, you'll lose it. But if you're willing to give it up for his sake, you gain life. You see, miracles don't change self-preservation. Only belief in Christ changes my self-preservation. Here's the third thing. Miracles do not change providence. Miracles do not change providence. So this council is still dialoguing. They're like, what are we going to do if we let him go? This is a mess. And then you look at verse 49. But one of them, Caiaphas who was high priest that year. Now, we're going to learn more about Caiaphas in the, the coming chapters. But he was a high priest. And he said to the council, he says, you guys know nothing, nor do you understand that it is better for you, for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. So Caiaphas is part of this council, and one of the regulations they understand is this. We can't put anyone to death. But what's he saying? Hey, you know what? Let's put this guy to death. It's better if we let him die. Let's kill him. Just so that way he, he could be sacrificed for everybody. And then we as a nation, we can maintain what we have. Because if we kill him, we don't lose anything. Let's do that. And so he's got this idea... Let's just kill the guy. Let's be done with it. And in fact, if you look at verse 51, this is very interesting. It says, he did not say this on his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied. Now, that doesn't mean he was a prophet. It means that God gave him an idea. It says, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one, into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Imagine saying something that you think is a great idea. And this guy's thinking this is a great idea. But it's God speaking through him. He's basically saying Jesus is going to die. And he's going to die for the nation of Israel, but just not the nation of Israel. He's going to die for a lot of people. Wow. Only if Caiaphas knew what he was saying. Only if he would know, wow, I'm really speaking and preaching the gospel. I am telling these guys, Jesus is going to become the savior for the nation of Israel and for everybody. And he doesn't have a clue. You see, in his mind, I've got a plan. And we all put it together and we put this plan into place, we win. Here's the thing. They're not understanding that God's providence is still being played out. Now, here's the thing. Here's where I'm trying to connect this miracle on providence. Jesus does a miracle through the power of God and raises Lazarus from the dead. An amazing miracle from God. Now, one would think... Well, God, you did that amazing miracle. 
Why don't you do the miracle and change these guys' hearts? So they, they, they'll believe in Jesus and they won't kill him. That would be an awesome miracle because that wasn't the plan of God. God does the miracle with Lazarus, brings Lazarus from the dead, but the providence of God has got to lead Jesus to become dead. You would think the providence of God is, wow, God, do this amazing thing. Now do this amazing thing. And here's where it goes for you and me. I think this is where we get lost with miracles. Is sometimes we think, well, if God did this miracle once, he'll do it twice. If God worked a miracle in my life this time, well, when I have another incident come up, he'll do it again. Is that true? Maybe. Sometimes the providence of God is this. I'll work this miracle this time. But I won't do it this time. And the question you and I have got to ask is this. Can I rest in the providence of God? Can you, let, can you rest in the absolute providence and sovereignty of God over your life? You know, I was telling Paula this morning, and I think she and I are kind of in, in the same boat on this. Sometimes with modern day contemporary worship, and, and we are, you know, as a church, we sing contemporary worship songs. But some of the, the contemporary worship songs have this idea that God is going to work a miracle every single time. You just pray enough, you keep believing enough, you shout loud enough, you sing loud enough, God is coming through every single time. No matter what the situation is, God's going to come through. You got another situation, God's coming through. You got another situation, God's coming through. How many of you know God comes through? But God comes through according to his providence and not us. God's not sitting there. I'm sitting there going, when, when these religious leaders were, were devising this plan, do you think God was up in heaven pacing back and forth going, oh, I hope they make a good decision. Oh, my. I really hope they don't. Oh, my guys, make a good decision. And when they decided to kill Jesus, God was like, oh, that was not what I was hoping they would do. Or do you think God was like, here's what I'm going to have them do. And he speaks through Caiaphas. Jesus will die. And there are times that we've got to believe that the providence of God is working in our lives. He healed you this time, but that doesn't mean he heals you the next time. That's hard to hear sometimes, but it is absolute truth because the sovereignty of God trumps you and I. What we want does not trump the sovereignty of God. What we desire does not trump the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God says, here is my plan for your life. With your finances, I'm gonna, I'll do a miracle here, but he may not do it again in the same way. He may heal you of cancer here, but he may not heal you of cancer the second time. But the idea is, is can you and I come to the place and go, well, God, your providence is what I rely on. Your sovereignty, God. And I can relax in that. A lot of us can't. Because a lot of Christians, whether we want to believe it or not, 
Our faith is dependent upon what God does. I'll believe God if he comes through this time. I'll, I'll trust God a little mo bit more when, when he shows up and he answers our, our financial problem. I, I'll believe God when he shows up and he heals me of this sickness. I'll believe God. Well, what happens if he doesn't? Does that mean that God is weak? Does that mean that God doesn't care? Does that mean that God doesn't love you? Does that mean that God is just written? No, it means that God's providence is still at hand. His sovereignty is always at play in your life and my life. From the moment you draw your first breath as a baby, the sovereignty of God is in your life until the very last breath you take. From that point, the beginning point to the end point, the sovereignty of God is always at hand. Your faith cannot be dependent upon the miracles that God does. Faith does not come because I see. I see because I have faith. Paul tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. If you have to see to believe, you'll never believe. You've got to believe before you ever see. And that's what believing in faith is all about. So miracles do not change the providence of God. And here's the fourth thing. Miracles do not change religion. Miracles do not change religion. Look at verse 54. It says, Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to the town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with his disciples. Now, the, as I was studying this this morning, I, needed, I want to insert a commercial. The town of Ephraim was a, a, a few, several miles northeast of Jerusalem. All right, so Jerusalem's in southern Israel, so you go up a ways. That's still a town called Ephraim. Notice it says that Jesus did not walk openly among the people. He knew, man, these people are out to kill me. So guess what he does? He calls his 12 men and he says, guys, let's go. I know some people up in Ephraim. Let's, let's, let's go up there, and we're not going to go out and about anymore. Not until it's time. Now, why has that got to be a commercial? Because you'll hear people who are Christians say, hey, we live by faith, and that means, man, you just walk out into anything, and you just do it. I heard this a lot back in 2020 when COVID hit, when churches were starting to close down, People in this church who no longer attend were saying things. Well, these pastors who are afraid to walk by faith, denying Christ by closing down the church. We are to walk by faith. And that means, man, we need to get out there and we just need to keep going. We need to keep doing. Can I tell you, walking by faith does not mean putting yourself in hazardous situations. It doesn't mean walking by faith. It doesn't mean to be stupid. It doesn't mean to be ignorant. It doesn't mean to be unwise. Walking by faith, I would, I would think Jesus walked by faith. I have a feeling Jesus believed God a little bit. All right? So if Jesus says, hey, you know what? There are people looking to kill me. Let's get out of the busyness. 
and let's get away. And he no longer walked among the people because he knew if I do, someone can kill me. Someone will arrest me. It wasn't his time yet. And he knew it. And he walked, did not walk among the people any longer. Walking by faith doesn't mean that you and I just blindly throw ourselves into situations. Do not go out and buy a million dollar home tomorrow when you're only making $50,000 and go, well, God will provide. <laughs> Stupidity. 101. That is not faith. Walking by faith means I take the word of God and I walk in, a, in alignment with that and I do what it says and I put myself out there to a degree that I know, okay, God, you got to show up here, but I'm not being dumb. I'm not being unwise with my life. Jesus was still being wise even though he did not walk among the people. Back to our regular schedule program. So miracles do not change religion. So Jesus, is, he, he's left the, the, the area. Look at verse 55. It says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover. And here it is, to purify themselves. You see, before the Passover, the Jewish people had to, they, they, the Jewish people would migrate to Jerusalem to observe the Passover. But before the Passover actually came, the Jewish people had to go through certain religious rituals, religious cleansings and cleanings to purify themselves. They, they did things thinking, hey, this is going to get me clean before God. This is going to get me right before God, and I'll be more spiritual before God. So they, they did these things. And it goes on in verse 56. It says, and they were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? You think he's going to come to the feast at all? They were looking for Jesus. Here are these people showing up to Jerusalem to do all of their religious rites, all their religious cleansings, all their religious stuff. But they're looking for Jesus. You see, here's the thing. These Jewish people understood who Jesus was. Jesus had now been with within the area of Israel and with a lot of these people for about three years. And he's been teaching them. He's been showing them. He's been doing things. I mean, they, 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 they know what he's taught. They know what he has said about himself. They know what he has said about him being the savior. They know what he has said about people putting their faith in him, that he's the light of the world, the bread of life. He is the, 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 the door to the sheep. He is the way, the truth. And he, people have known this and now they have seen miracles. They have seen one miracle after another after another. And now they have seen one of the greatest miracles ever. Jesus bringing a dead man out of the grave. And they're looking for Jesus. But yet, they're trying to purify themselves. Do you notice who isn't purifying themselves? Jesus and the disciples. Jesus is not in, I mean, he, he, he said he doesn't, he's not going to dwell among the people right now, but he doesn't go to Jerusalem to purify himself. He doesn't tell the disciples, hey, you guys go, I'll stay here, go purify yourself. Because Jesus has been telling the people, you can't purify yourself. 
You're not getting to God on your own. You're not doing things to get yourself right before God. You can't make yourself more spiritual. So Jesus and the disciples aren't there because Jesus knows I'm the only way you purify yourself before God. Your faith in me. You believe in me. That's how you get right before God. But yet these people are trying to do it themselves. The miracle of Lazarus did not change that. And can I tell you something? People today, we know the whole story of Jesus, okay? We have the miracle of his virgin birth. We have the miracle of his sinless life. We have the miracle of him dying on the cross and taking the, the sin and the wrath of God upon himself. We have the miracle of him dying on the cross and being resurrected from the grave. We have the miracle of him ascending back into heaven. And we have the miracle of him being the savior of the entire world. That's the miracle we have. But yet, people today still say, I can purify myself. I can cleanse my, I can clean myself up. I can make myself right before God. I know Jesus did all that stuff, and, 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 and that's the miracle, but I can get to God myself. No, we can't. Easter is approaching. And just like these people, Passover was, was getting close. Easter is drawing near. And guess what people are still doing? Putting ashes on their forehead. Eating fish on Fridays. Going through a Lent season to try to... to, to Hey, I'm going to give up something and, and do, I'm going to do these things because these things will make me spiritual. These things will make me right before God. And guess what? They don't. Nothing we do on the outward purifies us before God. Only one thing purifies me before God. Faith alone in Christ. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell these people for three years. I am the way. I am the door. I am the bread. I am the light. I am the life. Put your faith in me. And if you will put your faith in me and believe in me, even though you die, yet shall you live. And yet they're still trying to purify themselves. It's no different from today, gang. People know the story of Jesus. And yet, what do we do? I'm just going to be good enough. I'll just go to church more often. I'll just do a, a I'll, I'll give up something for 40 days and that will make me right before God. No, it doesn't. And there are people missing out on life because they think that, you know what? I can do this myself. The miracle of Jesus, they miss. Miracles in themselves do not change a life. Miracles in themselves do not create belief in you. Miracles in themselves do nothing to change you. Nothing. The only thing that changes you and me is Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Your faith is not going to be built up because God does something amazing in your life. Your faith is not going to grow. Now, don't get me wrong. We are to look back and go, wow, look what God did. And, and those things should help us. But the ultimate thing that builds our faith is this. The word of God going in, 
The word of God becoming a seed to my soul. The word of God being bread to my soul. The word of God becoming an anchor to my soul. So when I am going through those hard times, when I'm going through the pain, when I'm going through the trial, going through the suffering, and God doesn't show up like I think or how or when he should, I'm anchored to his word and I know he is still sovereign. He is still good. He still loves me. He still cares for me. And that's what I'm banking on. I'm banking on what he says and not what he does. If he performs a miracle in your life, praise him for it. Worship him. Give him all the glory. But if he chooses not to do the miracle, can you still be grounded and strong upon his word and still praise him and give him glory? Loved ones, listen. Miracles are awesome. And we love them when they happen. But miracles within themselves, there's things that they don't do. Amen? Let's all stand and let's pray. If you would just bow your heads, let's just go before the Lord in a word of prayer and then we'll close. And... Father, we are grateful. Thankful for who you are. Thankful that, God, you do work mightily in our life. And the most amazing miracle, Father, that we all have is the fact that you love and care for us despite our sinfulness. Lord, as we looked at that text, people chose not to believe even after the miracle. It really shows the depravity of the heart. And yet, God, you still love us. And, Lord, that's a miracle within itself. And Jesus, we just pray that today we can be stronger in faith, not because of what you do for us, not because you perform a miracle, but Lord, because your word is truth. We just pray, God, that you would just keep working in our hearts and our lives, keep changing us, and help us to be more like Christ. Help those who may today be here today who don't believe in you, that, that they would come to that place where they would say, Jesus, come into my life and be my savior to just trust you and depend on you, not because of what you do for them. So God, we just thank you. We just praise you this morning. We just worship you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.